As you can see, this is a return to the digital. For a while, I was afraid of the digital because I had some bad experiences, but today we're going to try it again. Hopefully, this will all work out. But first of all, let me wish everyone present here and those watching online a very blessed 2023. We don't know what this year holds, but we have a sovereign God who controls every event, who has planned every event throughout history, and also has planned 2023 for us, so we trust him. Bow with me in prayer, please, as we open up this message. Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning and thank and praise you that we can gather here in this way today. We just pray, Lord, that as we listen to your word this morning, that you will be glorified among us, that you will receive all the praise and glory. You're the only one who deserves praise and glory. I just pray, Lord, that as I preach this message this morning that your Holy Spirit will guard my mouth and my lips and tongue and that every word proceeding from my mouth will be glorifying to you and will be your truth. I don't want to express my opinion. I only want to speak your truth. Guard me, Lord, and bless us together and prepare our hearts for the entrance of your word this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. I'm just going to open with a quote from King Henry VIII. Apparently, he was overheard saying once to his wives, I won't keep you long. So I won't try to keep you long here this morning. And just to clarify that what some of you may be thinking is, I was, didn't actually hear Henry VIII make that statement. I think I was away on business in another city somewhere. But just getting serious now, I think a good passage to open the new year with is 1 John 5, verses 1 to 5. The three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and the Gospel of John and the book of Revelation were all written by the Apostle John, quite possibly around the year A.D. 90, and when he was an old man, probably 90 years of age or older, he was the only surviving apostle at the time. All the others had faced death by martyrdom. In the writing of the Gospel of John, he frequently refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The first epistle of John was written to warn believers about the dangers of false teachers who were trying to mislead them. These teachers were teaching that the man, Jesus, was not the Christ, the Son of God. They said that God did not become a man. John tells the Christians that he is writing because it is very important to know and believe that Jesus Christ is both God and man. John also encourages these Christians to keep their faith in Christ strong and to continue loving one another. He says Christians can know they are God's children if they love one another, 
and if they obey God's commands. And this is what we'll be focusing on this morning. I'm going to read uh, 1 John 5, verses 1 to 5, and I'm reading out of the ESV. <coughs> Everyone who believes that Jesus Christ that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Let's look at this passage verse by verse and try to understand that the message that John is trying to convey to his readers. He begins by emphasizing love for the Father and for his child as well. He ends with an explanation of who it is that overcomes the world. So let's begin with verse 1, which reads, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. So the first sign that one is truly born from above is theological. If we truly believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the promised Messiah, we can be sure that we have eternal life. Later on in this chapter, verses 11 to 13, we read, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and that this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. John wants the Christians to be assured that they have eternal life. He does not want us to be doubting. This is the first sign that you believe in Jesus. You believe he is the Christ, the promised Messiah. You believe he is the Son of God. So if you get your theology wrong about Jesus, you will not have eternal life. But one of the signs that should give you confidence before God is that you believe in God's only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Referring back to verse 1 of this very passage, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And verse 5 also says, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? By this we know that we have, that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commands. The second sign is moral. You can have confidence if you obey his commands. Those who habitually practice sin without remorse cannot have this confidence. Romans 6 verse 19 tells us, just as you used to offer yourselves in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. We offer ourselves as slaves to righteousness after we have been born again, born from above. And Jesus says in John 15 in the parable of the vine and the branches, 
a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. 1 John 3.24, the one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. So living a righteous life in the power of the Holy Spirit can give us confidence that we are truly born from above and have eternal life. God's righteous standards as given in his word should not cause us to lose confidence. We must remember that part of living a righteous life is acknowledging that we sin and refusing to claim that we do not sin. But when we do sin, we confess our sin to the Lord as we are commanded in 1 John chapter 1, verses 9 to 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. There's also a third sign, and it is social. The third sign is clearly stated in verse 1 of this passage. Everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. If you do love your brother and sister, I'm, I'm sorry, it's supposed to be a question. Do you love your brother and sister in Christ? If you do, you have a clear sign that you're truly born from above. Does this mean we'll always agree on every issue? Of course not. To love others in the family means you do not limit your love to your own denomination or group or to your own social and financial status or your own race or your own political persuasion or even your own exact Theological persuasion, if any of these things mean more to us than our common salvation and our common lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ, then something is very wrong. Let me explain here for the sake of those who find my reference to exact theological persuasion objectionable. There will always be differences among believers, but we need, need to give each other the right to be wrong. We must agree on the basics which I believe are clearly defined in the statement of faith of Elk Point Baptist Church. On all other matters, we must allow differences. May I say that I must be willing to fight for my, to my dying breath for my brother and sister to be wrong. <clears throat> you can laugh now. <laughs> in my humble opinion, differences can be healthy they offer us an opportunity to be corrected, and we must be open to correction. Everyone will discover sooner or later that they were wrong about something. I must confess that I have been proven wrong, and at times have been forced to correct my position by some of you, and most certainly by the word of God. This is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. As we have already seen, obedience to God's commands is evidence of the fact that we are truly born from above. Let's look at the latter part of this verse, and his commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are not bur burdensome when we see how wise and good his commandments are. 
They're a gift from God meant to show us the best way to a life of fulfillment, joy, and peace. God always has our best interests at heart. His commandments are not burdensome because when we are born again, we're given new hearts. Hearts which by instinct wish to please God. As part of the new covenant, the law of God was, has been written on the heart of every believer. Jeremiah 31, verse 33, the last part of the verse says, I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And his commandments are not burdensome when we compare them to the religious rules men make up. John is not trying to say obedience is an easy thing. If that were so, then it would be easy for us not to sin. John has already acknowledged that we all do sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. John is thinking of the contrast Jesus made between religious requirements of the religious leaders of his day and the simplicity of loving God and following him. Jesus said, all the rules and regulations of the scribes and Pharisees were as heavy burdens. Matthew 23, verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. In contrast, Jesus says of himself, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Instead of the burdensome requirement to keep hundreds of little rules and regulations, Jesus simply says to us, love me and love my people. And you'll walk in obedience. His commandments are also not burdensome when we really love God. When we really love God, we will want to obey him and please him. When you love someone, it seems like little trouble to uh, go to a lot of difficulty to help or please that person. You enjoy doing it. Though if you had to do it for an enemy, you'd be complaining all the time. Just as the seven years of Jacob's service for Laban seemed only a few days to him be because of his love for Rachel, so obeying God's commands doesn't seem like a burden when we really love him. An old proverb says, Love feels no loads. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. The idea that Christians are overcomers is a theme throughout the apostles' writings. He mentions believers overcoming the devil or the evil one. In John, First uh, John 2, verses 13 to 14, I he says, I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I'm writing to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. In the book of Revelation, 
John refers to believers as victorious con conquerors multiple times. Revelation 2 verse 7 says, anyone who has an ear should listen to, this, to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give the victor the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in God's paradise. And in verse 11 of the same chapter, he says, anyone who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. The victor will never be harmed by the second death. And in verse 17 of the same chapter, anyone who, does, who has an ear should listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. I will give you, I'll give the victor some of the hidden manna. I will also give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name is inscribed that no one knows except the one who receives it. The apostle is not implying here that only certain super-Christians are overcomers. Rather, as we just read, every true believer is an overcomer because he has been born of God. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? <coughs> John states that our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. The original Greek term translated as our faith in 1 John 5 verse 4 refers to putting our trust in the saving work of Jesus Christ or believing in the gospel's message. Anyone who believes in Jesus for salvation and trusts in Christ's atoning work on the cross, his death and resurrection, and shares in his, shares in his victory over sin. For since he himself was tested and has suffered, this is from Hebrews 2 verse 18, for since he himself was test, tested and has suffered, he is, he is able to keep those, help those who are tested. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who has, test, who was, has been tested in, the, in every way as we are, yet without sin, and also victory over death. Uh, Acts 2 verse 24 God raised him from the dead ending the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it and the forces of evil at work in the world 1 John 3 verse 8 the one who commits sin is of the devil for the devil has sinned from the beginning the son of God is revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's works Colossians 2 verse 15 he disarmed the rulers and authorities and disgraced them publicly. He triumphed over them. Hebrews 2.14. Now since the children have flesh and blood in common, Jesus also shared in these so that his death, that his death he might, in his death he might destroy the one holding the power of death, that is the devil. Through faith we believe we are born of God. We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, according to Galatians 2.16, know that no one is justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because of the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no human being will be justified. Through faith, 
we surrender our wills to his. Our faith is the key to victory. The only way to overcome the world is through faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. At salvation, Christians are hidden with Christ in God through the work of the Holy Spirit who baptizes all believers into one body, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians, oh, digital. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 and 13. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, through, though many are one body, so, so it is in Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves are free, and all are made to drink of one spirit. We are in Christ, and he is in us. Colossians 1, verse 7. Uh, to them God ch chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery, which is in Christ, the hope of glory. John explains that we are overcomers because as children of God, his spirit lives in us. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. That's from 1 John 4, verse 4. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, uh, take heart, I have overcome the world. We Christians still battle with sin and darkness because we live in a fallen world. John makes it clear that life here on earth can be challenging. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh that, I mean, the, yeah, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. On to verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? If we have been truly born from above, born again, we will demonstrate the evidence we have referred to, the theological evidence, the moral evidence, and the social evidence. We can all refer back to this passage throughout this coming year for reassurance that we are truly born from above or to check on ourselves to be sure that, we, that our lives demonstrate the evidence Uh, demonstrate the evidence of the new birth. I told you I wouldn't keep you long. Let me just close with two questions. Do you truly, truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? According to this passage, we're told that if we truly believe that he is the Son of God, we are born from above. And question number two. Do you truly love your brother and sister in Christ? Let's pray and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we had to take a look into your word. We just pray, Lord, that you would use that, was, that which was spoken and read this morning to give us a 
new outlook on a new year. We just pray, Lord, that all of us will submit to you and truly show the evidences of birth from above. The willingness to obey your commands, the love for God, and the love for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for those among us again who are grieving in some way. We think of the Goodbrand family, the Doring family, and the Pavaschuk family who are under great stress of grief this day. We just lift them up to you and just pray, Lord, that you would strengthen and encourage them and bring comfort and consolation. We pray now, Lord, as we look ahead to this week and this new year, that you be glorified in all that we do. Help us, Lord, to walk in a way that will bring glory to you throughout this coming year. We pray these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.